Hello and welcome to the Astro Flight Simulation Podcast, where we navigate the digital world through art and culture. If you're hearing this message, it means you're listening for free on iTunes or Spotify, which I thank you for and invite you to do more of. However, I want to let you know that if you're left wanting more, there's a lot more content on my Substack page, which is astralflight.substack.com. You can access my Substack through my Twitter page, which is at AFSCast. That's at A-F-S-C-A-S-T. There's a link to my Substack in my bio and in my pinned tweet. On my Substack, you'll find a lot of long-form content, as well as podcast episodes that never make it to iTunes and Spotify. And if you choose the paid subscriber option, you'll have access to early release podcasts and podcast episodes that are not available anywhere else except for as a paid subscriber to my Substack. That's astroflight.substack.com. I hope you enjoy the show. The internet is an ocean that we invent as we explore it. In the murky darkness of virtual places, there could be dragons, shagoths. Certainly I have heard voices on the web who say we will discover or build a god when we reach the cyber ocean floor. People claim to remember past lives, I claim to remember a different, very different present life. The psychotic drones, where the mystic swims, they're drowning. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Astral Flight Simulation Podcast, where we navigate the digital world through art and culture. Today, I am joined by one of my good friends here, Zante, who goes by Edenic Jesus, uh, at Edenic Jesus on Twitter. He's also the guy who does the music for this show. So every time you hear the beats on the intermission or in the outro, uh, he makes all of them and they're they're based. And uh, he's got a bunch on his on his page as well. And he also has a bunch on another account that he runs called Mytho America. Now, today's episode is going to be part two of my slasher film series. The first one was on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I highly suggest you listen to that before this one, because I introduced some topics that were only maybe tangentially related to that movie, but are directly related uh, to the two movies we're going to cover today. Friday the 13th, the first one and Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. Um, now, Zante, I wanted you specifically, uh, this was originally going to be a one-part, big, huge episode with three or four guests that went on for a couple hours talking about all these movies. But when I went back and watched these, I was like, oh my God, these movies are perfect for Zante, and they totally encapsulate the Mytho-America vibe. And you told me before the show you agree with me. So uh, could you please first introduce us to the Mytho-America account? It's a pretty popular, pretty successful Twitter account. And kind of what you're going for with that. And then we'll start talking about uh, Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Also, welcome back to the show. Oh, sorry. Also, go back and listen to the American Gnostic Gnosticism episode because Zante's the guest with that one. That's that's his thing. American Gnosticism is his vibe. Uh, go ahead. Sorry about that. You're good. You're good. I'm glad to be here always. Um, yeah. So as as you said, uh, I, I make the music for this podcast and also uh, release music for myself as well promote my own thing i try to stick to some electronic stuff for you but what i'm trying to do whether it's on my main account or visually through the mytho america account or through my music is really give you a full 360 
uh, in various mediums and media, the heart, the vibe of America. And I think horror, this unresolved, eerie creepiness that America's always trying to insulate itself from is the heart of uh, the spirit of America. And it's, it's dark, it's ominous, and it's, it's looming. And with the images, I started posting. I made this uh, account, Mytho America. I've been posting on Twitter on my main account for the last couple of years in you know, dissident right circles. And people have taken to, to the message I'm trying to get across and exploring and rediscovering America. I've met some great peers who, uh, who agree with me and some, some you know, uh, old heads, as I'd like to say. I'm a young guy, but you know, I got the approval of some old heads, including you, of course. <laughs> um, but um, I just, on a whim, I uh, decided to make an aesthetics account to match with the message of, of uh, my main in around late, I think it was December 2021. And within a month, I had like 5,000 followers of just me posting images. I posted no words. I maybe re retweet anything I talk about on my main when I talk about America or something, but it's always been images. And that's grown since December 2021. It's May now to almost 25,000 followers. And some friends are telling me to probably hit 100 or so by the end of the year if Prague uh, will allow it or before Elon Musk takes over the site. So there's been a real good response. And most of the, most of the images have a horror vibe to them. I've, I've not seen any Lynch films, but they also say it's like a David Lynch uh, style account. I like to say that it's, 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 it's secretly Gnostic. I take a lot of influence from, from shows like, you know, Truman Show and Donnie, uh, movies like Truman Show, Donnie Darko, Fight Club. Um, and now that you asked me to watch some of these films with, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th, you know, I could say I was influenced by certain things, but you could tell that this aesthetic has been going on way longer than me. Like the success of the account isn't, it, it has something to do with my curation and my implicit understanding of, of the spirit of America, but it's, it's way longer. It's, it's, it's been embedded into the foundation of the country. And I think I'm slowly revealing that. And uh, I'm just, you know, so encouraged by the success of the account and, you know, happy to talk about it always. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, man. You you really tapped into something uh, strong, a strong undercurrent that I hadn't seen. Um, it wasn't I mean, I liked your account from the get go because I like that rural sort of um, down home uh, country vibe of America. And you're you're, you're like um, a mix. The, the reason why these two movies are so perfect for you in that account is because you're like a mix between a rural kind of backwoods um either rural communities or just pure wilderness and 
the suburbs, especially like mm-hmm. a, an idealized period of time in the suburbs. And I remember one of your pictures that just blew up. Uh, I can't I think it might have gotten into the hundreds of thousands was a just a picture of a suburban street at night with the yeah, it, snow. It was, it was, it was uh, yeah, there was one of the that was my first one that blew up. It was just like a Snowden uh, image of a house, like a suburban house. But the sky was like red. You know how the sky turns red when it snows? The sky was red. Everything was dark. It was poorly lit. And that just, it captured something. And that was definitely another. And recently, uh, there was another one where it blew up even bigger. Um, and it doubled the size of my account. I just posted uh, a dreary, green, atmospheric uh, picture of late afternoon, like dusk, of uh, a little shop, a baseball card stand that was in Portland. And yeah, I, I remember that one. That one blew up. Like uh, it hit, you know, it broke our sphere because it's kind of hard to do that the, kind of, the the algorithm try to keep tries to keep it in our sphere and it broke out into to normie world and they resonated with it um and you know immediately clicked the follow button and uh really grew the account the account is it really insane to say but because it's such a these images are kind of if you pass by them in real life you kind of you wouldn't think twice about it. Um, and a lot of people even said that, you know, if, if I saw this shop, this, this baseball card stand while just passing by in a car, like I wouldn't think twice about it. Or, you know, you pass homes uh, that are snowed in all the time in you know, the Midwest or whatever. So, um, but something about it distilled an image with the right colorization and, and mood kind of reawaken yourself to it yeah well there's there's this vibe uh this nostalgic vibe of the late 70s but really even it's heavier in the 80s uh mm-hmm. where they're having a, a nostalgic vibe for like the 50s when things were simple and quaint and this ties into these films uh, I, I brought mm-hmm. up the vietnam aesthetic in the other episode which which is a concept that deserves its own its own uh episode but the idea of the Vietnam aesthetic is basically like the war in Vietnam was shown on television and the brutal violence of that war was was shown to everybody in their home. And I feel like the innocence of America was lost after that. Um, it was also the 70s was the, the decade of like violent left wing activism um, that turned rather nihilistic. It's also the post uh, Charles Manson murders. Um, so I was talking about how like the innocence of America was was lost and severed and they would look they started looking backwards to the 50s as this like idyllic time of of innocence. Um, mm-hmm. So in the 80s, you had a lot of movies that did that um, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the 13th have that a little bit. It's not the overarching theme of those movies, but it's there. However, um, other bigger movies like Stand By Me and Goonies, which I'd like to tie into these two movies later. Um, it's like the main thing is the, is the nostalgia. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is that like your account 
is nostalgic for that time, which was itself a nostalgic time. Because uh, what happened between then and, th- and now, among other things, there's a lot of other stuff that's happened in, in terms of like the fall of the, the Soviet Union, things like that. But that's way outside the scope. But we're nostalgic for a simpler time, like before the Internet, when people weren't exposed. The world wasn't so globalized. It wasn't so interconnected. And people were allowed to be in their own little cocoons, which was its own form of innocence. And I think uh, to sort of foreshadow how we're going to talk about these movies, like part of the reason why people need this like collective nostalgia is because they've been violently taken out of that cocoon. And it's almost like the killer. Right. Maybe we can start talking about it now, I guess. Um, Does that jive with your take on these movies at all? Like the killer comes into the cocoon and violently like breaks them out of it. And some people make it. Some people don't. Well, it's more the anxiety over a right. looming killer. Absolutely. It's like the the ongoing threat. And honestly, that's just what makes good horror, right? A lot of good horror films. It's not necessarily what the, the killer looks like. And you can see this on Friday the 13th. Um, you know, he the, the killer isn't really revealed until the end. Uh, and it's full, you know, terror. But I think what's... What you hit with the nostalgia and how you know the the dark times of the 70s the pessimism the pessimism of the 70s um was looking back at the 50s as as this idealistic time and i think i always describe it as the fall from paradise at least in modern times where you know we had a garden of eden moment where we achieved paradise in America in the fifties. And that was that, that we fell from that. And a big thing that I always talk about is how tied America is to the Christian metaphysics. Everything boils down to certain Christian metaphysic in America. It's, it's undoubtedly a Christian country. Everything lends itself to it, and all all its problems and successes come down to the, the problems and successes of Christianity and Protestantism. And I think everyone in America feels. I mean, just think of the MAGA movement, right? Make America great again. It's it's a return to Eden movement. It's it's returning to a once once paradise of times, and even you framing it as innocence lost ties back to to the innocence that we had in Eden where we didn't know any better and we had, we, we were not overcome with shame and, and doubt um, American ex- exceptionalism is, is rooted in that and now we are filled with anxiety and doubt and, and shame so much in our culture for the fact that even saying I'm a proud American is, is looked down upon. And I think even with the new Joker movie, um, and well, I'll, t- I'll touch on Friday the 13th and, and Nightmare on Elm Street uh, soon, but the Joker movie, I, th- uh, I think, you know, taking directly, directly from uh, Taxi Driver, um, the vibes of that one resonated so much. It was like this dark, gritty, kind of a vibe um, of old New York, of 70s New York, where, you know, you had psycho killers running amok, you had crime, uh, 
what's his face? Uh, President Ford was, you know, big headlines. Tell cities drop dead. Like they just didn't care about what was the, the collapse of uh, urban America. Um, and then you had stagflation in the seventies, you know, and it's a repeat of that right now. It's, 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 you know, we just had a shooting, a mass shooting uh, yesterday. And, you know, we're about to hit a recession now. And time, time repeats itself in America. We have our high times, idyllic high times, and we have the fall. And you see that the aesthetic of the fall and the pervasive paranoia is, is is something people resonate because this is what we're living in now. We live in we live in a fallen world in America, and a big part of American history, and we could talk talk on Nightmare on Elm Street now, is that the way America went about creating paradise was insulating it, creating its own heaven's gate of sorts, where you have this abstracted unnatural society this utopic society which i think manifests itself best as uh, suburbia the, the clearest idea right you have the the white picket fence acting as you know the gates of heaven uh preserving itself from the unknown of the outside of the new world and i would say the settlers did the same thing because when the settlers came here they just made uh you know small kind of communes of sorts and they usually put a cross in the middle and, you know, said this is God's country in this small little village. And we're just going to buffer ourselves from the darkness of, the, of, you know, the Indian or the black and, and, you know, the paganism of the new world and whatever demons might lie out there. Um, and that tradition, that segregation from the outside has only lingered as the fear of the outside has characterized America, American horror specifically forever. I mean, you could look at, you know, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft or, or Edgar Allan Poe, you know, horror was always this mixture of the psychological anxiety mixed with a genuine xenophobia of the outside and the worst nightmare of the american especially the suburban american is that you have a figure who will who could pierce through your doors and knock down that the gates you put up and and invade you just like uh freddie does and and uh nightmare on elm street right you have this character and you know, adds to the fact that he's literally a predator, right? He is, he is, you know, uh, you know, a, pe- a pedophile. And yeah, for for listeners, let me just jump in here and say, yeah, that, go for um, it. In the movie, they say he's a child killer, uh, but the original script by Wes Craven was that he was a pedophile, and the studio made them take that out. But yeah. everyone knows that's the vibe. Even that, though, right? Even the editing out, right? I mean is 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 this trying to to push back like the darkness is trying totally. to yeah and that's just the the way america's gone about things it's always tried to 
pretend the darkness wasn't there, but then in the back of their mind, they're just like, no, there, there's, there could be serial killers here. There could be uh, people willing to break into the house and, and uh, you know, kill us at any moment. Well, th- um, this, this yeah. fear, uh, I hope me and you are going to psychoanalyze this because these movies are rife with psychoanalytic uh, interpretations. But, you know, I wanted to throw in here based on what you're saying, but also just to j- throw this on to like the general interpretation of these types of films, the, these horror movies, that when you learn about American history, you realize that this psychological sort of PTSD fear uh, that may be irrational that uh, Americans have for exactly what you're talking about, the, the idyllic cocoon or wound being um, pierced by this like savage monster. This was literally the condition of the frontiersmen and the, and the, and the settlers with, with the Indians, because the Indians were actual cannibals and they were actual, they would actually like raid you and take your children uh, kill your children in front of you, your babies in front of you, and take your uh, young women, and especially the Comanche. It's learning about the Comanche that made me realize, but this was true in the Northeast as well. Um, the whole movie, The Last of the Mohicans, highly recommended, one of my favorites. The whole movie is based on a real-life situation in which this uh, mercenary Indian army, the, 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 two, the European forces and the American forces had a truce uh, during the French and Indian War. And... Uh, they had a truce and they were going to let the British go. And the Indians were like, fuck that. We were, we were going to get some booty. So they rebelled and attacked the uh, retreating British and uh, looted them, started massacring them, was kidnapping their women. Uh, and the French had to fight against the Indians to uh, so that's the backdrop of that story. And one of mine and me and you share a favorite film, The Witch, uh, the director mm-hmm. Eggers, who just did The Norseman. Oh, side note, uh, we got an episode of that planned. I have to see. The Northman yeah. first, but we're going to talk uh, about all his films together in a later episode. But that's that's what the the anxiety of the movie The Witch, they turn it into this supernatural thing, and it's based on a Nathaniel Hawthorne short story, which is really really good. And there's all this psychological shit going on that mean you're going to talk about archetypical significance of the Great Mother mm-hmm. and the archetypical significance of Satan tempting the young woman, and uh, mm-hmm. in order for her to come into her sexual uh, maturity, she has to sacrifice the patriarch and the father and the family. All of this is very relevant to the Friday the 13th, so bear with me. Um, but when I learned about the Comanche and the, and the Native Americans and the relationship they had, it hit me like this isn't just some fantasy fairy tale uh, myth about witches. This is like real life, like residual unconscious memories of what it was like to live on the frontier and to have these uh, literal heathens that they saw as demons and the agents of Satan who were going to come and kill your family, steal your children and, uh, you know, ruin your civilization. Yeah. That's the perfect way to, that's the perfect historical context for it. Um, and to add the, once again, to add the Christian metaphysic to it is that the struggle between Christianity and the savagery of paganism, right? That is what colors all of this. That's that's the, the the underlying struggle here is that to many Christians, save save the Gnostics and some Catholics, Catholics are able to to really um, incorporate 
some pagans and great individuals that were not Christian into the fold. Yeah. Um, and this is why they were able to civilize Europe, right? But the Protestantism of America, they took the, the American tradition was very much that anything but God was a demon. Everything but us. And you could you could you could split it in color wise by race, but it the, the words black and white take new meaning when you add it to the light and darkness of of the new world, right? You had the lightness of 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 Christianity and the Enlightenment society of Europe coming here, and then the known world that they created uh in their in their settlements. And then you had the darkness of the outside world where you know the woods the backwoods and and the indians that that lied there and and you know the slaves they brought there that there's always been a distinct clash there and i'd say and i don't know if you want to jump right into uh into nightmare of elm street or do you want to go into friday the 13th well let's but... uh can either i don't know if you can hold that thought um or do mm-hmm. you want to finish the thought because no no my thought's finished but i could keep going yeah um, let's movie. let's do it but the listener probably is wondering when we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty of the films uh but we are not we're not the nerdist podcast here by the way like we we're never going to do like the straightforward normie take of like Oh, the scene where the guy got stabbed, uh, blah, blah, blah. And the director said this, like that. You can get that elsewhere here. We're we're going deep. We're giving context. And, uh, you know, me and me and Zante both read uh, young. That's kind of how we first jived. And you got me to read the book, um, The Origins of Hi- and History of Consciousness, which is like really how and he, the author of that book is a student of young. That's really how this started was you getting me to read that book and it immediately like, holy fuck. Now I understand Jason and Freddie all of a sudden. Uh, so book I ever read, man. why don't we do this? Why don't we first um, talk about the films proper for a minute and then we'll get back to everything we're talking about, because uh, you, were, you were talking about Christianity versus paganism. And this is a statement we're just going to have to let lie on the table and we can clarify yeah. it in another episode. But um, there's this sort of uh, understanding or this perspective that you're and you've said this before. I got this from you that Europe is a fundamentally pagan country and it's always trying to revert back to and fall back into paganism. And the reason why Catholicism is successful is because it incorporates paganism into it. Um, I totally agree with that. I think it's historically I think it's a historical fact that that's how it is in Europe. But we'll talk about it another time. And then America is a fundamentally Christian country, and we're always falling back into Christian dynamics. And these films are absolutely Christian. I think the Texas Chainsaw was was pretty pagan, and I hope we made that clear in that episode. Um, And I'm glad we separated these two because these are very Christian. The whole genre, the whole theme is very Christian. So why don't we start uh, this portion of the conversation by you telling me which of the two films you preferred and why and we'll get to the archetypical significance once we lay some of that stuff out yeah so i mean both are both are fun uh i re- i was really inspired especially you know somebody who, who tries to uh put out certain aesthetics uh to match with you know the 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 content we're talking about um friday the 13th was definitely the superior movement uh but I have a soft spot for 
or sorry, sorry, no, no, sorry. Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy was better than Jason. Okay, yeah, yeah, as yeah. a movie, but uh, I had a soft spot for for the backwoods, uh, forest horror, right? Of of Jason, I right. loved it. Even I though thought was, they were both was, like made for yeah. you. Yeah, no, they were great. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, and I, I the, the moment at the end on, on uh, Friday the 13th where Jason comes out of the water. That I actually got shook by that. I, I got yeah. scared. Yeah. Uh, I was laughing throughout because, you know, the, the production quality was a little cheap for, for uh, the Jason movie. Uh, the mother running around with the knife was just hysterical to watch, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Like you had a lot right, of fun right, watching, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was, it was deep too, um, and we'll get to that. But just the overall aesthetics of the campgrounds was like, yeah, this is perfect. And it's then perfect. the diner, there were scenes where they go back to the diner, and and you know, uh, I think it was like police there and stuff like that, and you know, the police has come over to drive over. Or some, some yeah yeah the, the uh, cop comes out to the camp yeah and... yeah and then you know obviously the old woman protecting and i guess we could just jump right into it um you know the mother figure protecting her son yeah and this might be a controversial take because i have some friends who who are big fans of of, of the pagan tradition um i know it's a collective term but they they follow a lot of Indo-European pagan tradition. And they disagree with me on this, but I think all paganism dynamically is matriarchal because of of various things. But what I see there is mother nature protecting, because there's always, in, in matriarchal cultures, you have not only well, in pagan cultures, you have not only uh, you see often with, uh, you know, farmers worshiping Mother Nature for a good harvest. And I would say that they are the prey end of the cycle. And then you have the predator end of the cycle, as there are as a nature. They're predator and prey. Right. And that's what keeps the, the, the food chain going. Um, you have worshipers that are the prey end which is um, usually the farmer case you have, or if you put it in this term, simps, right? You have simps for mother nature. You have uh, not so strong characters, completely dependent on, on nature and what she provides. And then you have usually, and this is ties back to Indo European paganism is that you have these really strong characters, you savage. This is what the barbarians would be in European uh, in European history, right? You have these savage pagan cultures who, you know, could have been Nordic or Germanic. Uh, someone even lumped the Greeks in there, but you had these like Jigachad characters, these ruthless beast characters, who I say and uh, to relay the archetype. You know, they, they fill the predator and prey uh, cycle in nature. And, and Christianity kind of breaks that and civilizes both into different things. And you see that with Jason. You see Mother Nature 
the great mother protect and also in a weird way enslave her son who is very much that pagan savage of 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 the forest and well that's in later movies he is sure i haven't seen uh yeah in the, in the, the later movies. movies he's the beast that stalks the forest and kills yeah. but in this yeah, movie I mean, he's not that <laughs> yeah boy so him him i mean he's the one that's killing everybody i'm sure no no right? no it's her it's the mom the entire time each one yeah yeah it's the mom interesting interesting it's i mean totally even then the even mom. then even then uh, I don't think it changes your interpretation because he no, goes yeah. on to be, dude, he goes on to be, this is the thing. I was talking about the cult of the mother in the previous one uh, and, and the matriarch um, in the next movie. He's this like, it's, it's the, the plot is all fucked up. Uh, so we're not going to get into that because it doesn't make any sense because they, these were super low budget and these movies were just like rushed out to production and the plots don't make any sense. Um, but in the second movie, he's this like brute with a burlap sack and he's like yeah. this this backwards savage sort of simpleton who has a literal shrine to his mother in his shed in the woods, which is her head on like a religious altar. So it's exactly what you're talking about. It just doesn't play out fully yet in this first yeah. movie. And I think I think that's why like that is such an under talked about dynamic because that's that's paganism right there like that's what it is and that's been the nightmare of, of many of protestant in this country is is to almost their own detriment because how many of of america's own american founding stock has been rendered to life in the backwoods right that's like where their legacy has almost become as they've become more and more civilized they've lost almost their genetic stock uh, moving closer and closer to cities and more further and further insulated from, uh, you know, the hinterlands. But you've all, they've almost, it's almost like the shadow, they've become their own shadow, America, yeah. where, you know, what you wanted to forget about, you've become both alienated by and fully become it's, it's half of the uh, of their founding population kind of became the shadow half of them became a person who forgot about the shadow yeah and this is you could even split it as you know the 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 union versus confederate split too you could go that route where the deep south um is is the the shadow that america you know the the ruling class of america now wants to forget about so much so that the ruling class now has almost no uh anglos in in, in government right now i know we had a, a great account josiah lippincott got banned off twitter because he pointed out that joe joe biden's entire cabinet were all ellis islanders or people of color and there was no founding stock americans in that administration that's not by mistake um and it's and it's been union anglos that have allowed that to happen to where they they completely turned their back on their founding stock and it's been because of this fear of the backward of reverting back away from the the light of civilization and 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 and, and the darkness and the savagery the bruteness 
uh, that is so heavily tied with with living in nature and 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 the process of of needing to become a savage in order to survive there the, the dynamics of, of of Darwinic law right uh, of, of of you know survival of the fittest something you Christians have tried to forget about something that uh, civilized folk try to forget about insulate itself from but it's there and I think it's 100% a part of of, of the story of Jason there you know well, it's, it's about a weak boy who couldn't who couldn't fend for himself right exactly and and you and find out consumed by it you find out later he's he's handicapped he's like sim- a simpleton yeah, yeah look uh, two things that that brings up for me because that is totally not just relevant to the films, but relevant to the entire genre, this motif, uh, and also to American history. And I'd like to point out something in some of these horror movies that is like uh, Freud and Young 101 that kind of everybody understands, but to to link it to the wider culture and to your Mytho America account, because uh, you have this thread through the horror genre of, uh, and I mentioned this last time, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Hills Have Eyes, uh, Jason, right? You have these uh, inbred, uh, oh, and even the movie Deliverance, you have these inbred uh, sort of mutants, and, and they're genetically uh, inferior in some way. And the Hills Have Eyes, they're, I think they're both inbred and exposed to nuclear radiation, so they turn into mm-hmm. these monsters, right? Uh, the Freud Young thing here, and I'm just going to run through it. I got a lot more into it in the Texas Chainsaw episode. Uh, but basically, um, you have all these impulses and instincts and sex, murder, uh, finding shelter, things like that. Right. And you have to sublimate them in such a way in order to have a functioning society. You you can't just allow your impulses and your instincts to like take over or you, you'll never get above a certain level of of. Um, sophistication in your culture right so you have to like repress certain desires and if you don't sublimate them into some other activity right they're going to stay underneath the surface and mutate and they're going to uh the repress is going to return and this is the shadow so if you allow your shadow to mutate of this repressed desire um it starts to stalk you and it stalks individuals who who don't do this in their own past and it also stalks cultures and nations and uh, what I wanted to say really quickly here is that in those other movies I, I mentioned, you see it pretty clearly because like uh, Joseph Campbell in the um, the um, Hero with a Thousand Faces says that if you're if you're given a, a landscape or an image in a story of, say, uh, water, a body of water, uh, a placid body of water or a forest, uh, a, a silent, still forest, like if you see it in a dream or if you see it in a myth, that's a stand in for the unconscious because inside that, right, uh, it's it's unmoving. The image is unmoving, but underneath the surface or within the forest, there's there's dark things lurking. And this is just overt here with Jason living underneath the fucking water. Right. <laughs> and he comes out um, and the mom stalking them from the woods. But I wanted yeah. to point out in in Nightmare on Elm Street, it's a little bit different because they're in civilization. Right. These people in like the hills have eyes and 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 Friday the Thirteenth they go out into the wilderness in Texas Chainsaw Massacre they go out into the the uh, outer dark they go into the uh, the home or the mm-hmm. abode of these unconscious forces but yes. and this is David Lynch as well um, 
and Nightmare on Elm Street, they're firmly within civilization, yet there's still these dark chthonic forces stalking them. And the imagery in Nightmare on Elm Street is pretty explicit too. The repressed is this little monster boogeyman who who starts out as a human being, right? But he can't like control his impulses. So he begins like molesting and murdering children. So they kill him. But but the imagery is that he lives like underground in this like basement. And it's like this basement inferno. It's like hell. And it's like the boogeyman who lives inside of us of our desires that are like threatening to come out that you have to individuate to be able to like incorporate that shadow or else he's going to start stalking you and murdering you. And um, we have a lot more to say on that, but I wanted to point something out real quick is that with your Mytho America account, it's got like 25,000 followers, right? And you posted a picture of the KKK rally at night and you started getting some hate for it. You started getting a lot of hate for it. And I came to you, I was like, dude, this account is really good. Um, you don't want to lose this account. It's like a powerful account. And you, you, you have a lot of what you're saying. Like, why are you posting that? What, how does it fit into your narrative? And you totally convinced me that, that these followers were just being, if I can speak freely here, they're just being pussies. Like, because you were like, dude, that is a part of America's dark history. This is the point of my account is to evoke like the dark shadow of America and, and true, truly. And like, not, I believe this too now that you explained it to me, like there is no stronger depiction of that than a KKK rally at night in the 19 Mm -hmm. teens or whenever it was Um, like, and if you hide that, it's just a continuation of the repression of it. It's a continuation Mm -hmm. of like trying to cover it up and instead of like actually dealing with it and incorporating it. I think that's like what's going on with Freddie. Like, of course they're going to murder this guy uh, in real life. As, as they should or, you know, go to jail and get executed for, for doing that. Um, but psychologically speaking and archetypically speaking, like you can't just take these things in your society and like cover them up and suppress them because they're going to come out. And I think we're seeing this now, right, with all the violence, all the racial violence and yeah. even the violence that isn't racial, the violence that's just uh, a mad like outpouring of like of like uh, rage and, and murderous mm-hmm. rage is just, that's the shadow stalking America coming yep. back. And I uh, want you explain to me like why you were putting those images up there. And these people were just being, were just being whatever uh, like the KGB <laughs> communists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got it totally. I got it completely. And um, you know, I, there's a, there's a bit to parse out here though, because the, the, you need to have a very dynamic interpretation of these films it's not quite as simple as I'm making it sound, but but that being said, um, I do believe like the puritanical and I explain again, I keep saying this, I explain this much more explicitly in Texas Chainsaw episode, the puritanical impulse to repress sexuality and to repress the female archetype uh, is big time at play here. There's Christian themes going on here, big time, where the great mother comes back and starts killing women in the prime of their sexuality or the, this, this mutated uh, ball of like hatred and sexual desire and murderous rage. That's Freddy Krueger comes back and starts yep. stalking people who are going through 
the sexual maturation process. It's mm-hmm. um, and, and the last thing I'll say here, I want to get your feedback. The last thing I'll say here is, uh, well, no, I'll get your feedback now, but I want to get into that, though. And that that gets us into the origins and history of consciousness. But yeah, I'll let you respond so first. My I'll just briefly talk about the KKK addition to my account. And there's other things I, I include serial killers and, um, you know, I, I, I don't censor that uh, the racist tradition of America is very much something that it's tried to repress in recent times. Um, but I think the biggest inhibitor of art is the need to always be morally correct. You're not able to explore anything worthwhile if you have these barriers of, oh no, I'm scared because uh, I'm, 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 you know, this would be a, a bad look. I'm worried about the optics or, you know, this isn't, we're behind this where it's 2022, like we should leave this stuff behind. It's not politically correct. Um, I don't care about that. It's about, it's about free exploration of, of the darkness of my account. And in, in American, I think, once again, the theme of, of what we're talking about here is the repression of that darkness has only led to the, un, you know, the, to the uncoming of America, its destruction. And I say in the, the biggest thing I try to push with uh, uh, my term American Gnosticism is that America was not pushed and expanded and turned into the great, the greatest nation at one point because of just segregation and insulating itself. It was because of explorers who, was, who were willing to go into the unknown and, and push its boundaries. It, it wasn't it was the settlers, not the founding fathers, who really founded America. It was the explorers who moved west who, who made America into the darkness. They fought. Uh, they didn't know it was out there. They knew treasure might be out there, whether it's gold rush or just the promise of the new world and freedom that associated with it. Um, but they didn't know exactly what was out there. There was, there was you know, savages out there. And who knows, some people even say there was literal cryptids and actual beasts laying, uh, lying out there. But in jumping into that darkness, I think God rewarded those people. And I think that's the Gnostic tradition. It's looking where you're not supposed to look. It's, it's, and God rewards those people, those willing to. And I mean, he, he, he rewarded the conquistadors and the settlers with great riches and opportunity. and the opportunity for, you know, uh, almost a paradise-like existence on earth here by doing that. How this relates to the films is that, well, and my Mytho America page is that you don't get the riches and the good times without grappling with some of the darkness. And I think in the Jason films, you see, uh, you said there it's going to Jason's territory. It's going to the beast's territory. It's going to, to, it's going with, I mean, in the, the very first scene of the film, you had this girl who 
who's like in over her head. She's like, oh yeah, nothing's going on over there. She comes in contact. She's like hitchhiking, right? Yeah. Like completely naive. Like you could easily get killed if she does by hitchhiking and taking a place. You know, I had this, this cute girl who probably been pampered her whole life and, uh, you know, thinks everything's going to be all right. That everything's just going to be like this happy, civilized world. And that's not how it goes. Uh, so, I mean, she gets warned by by a guy who's, you know, clearly a guy who lives a, a local locally in a rural community. Yeah, he's a local, but he's specifically rural. And he's like warning her like, hey, like you should go to this campground. Like sh- weird shit happens there. And she's like, nah, no way, you know. And eventually, you know, she gets hunted down. I, I guess it's the mother here, but, you know. The, the savagery of, of that area and you have all these kids these counselors uh stay there too you know and you have these goofy male characters who aren't taking anything seriously who you know the the cop shows up he's making fun of authority and being a goofball in front of them you know these kids are totally unsuspecting well i was just gonna say it's interesting you say that though because there's this weird thing that i didn't expect in the in the freddy movie where she like it's like i i, I didn't really like that movie i thought it was pretty corny uh but but you're talking about like being unprepared right she does this whole thing where she like mm-hmm. decides to trap freddy and she like sets up all these booby traps for him yeah. and like and it like works and she traps him uh in reality uh, or in the awake time awake mm-hmm. world and her and her dad kill freddy um Oh man, just think of that like dynamic, right? It's it's when you're living in the conscious world of light, right? You're safe, even though you have the looming darkness. At any moment, you could fall asleep into yeah. unconsciousness yeah. and and fall to his grasp, right? That's like so union. It's insane, and and the best. So that's why I, I try to say with the Jason films, and you relayed this first is it's it's the naive civilized folk going to the uncivilized right. world exactly and, you know completely succumbing to it and and they all perish and get consumed by it but that's what that's the biggest defining factor archetypally of of the great mother and nature itself and the feminine and i'd say paganism too is like this consumption that you may spring into life from the mother but you will always be consumed back that is the imperative of the feminine yeah it's it's a robot more it's death so that you can rebirth it's an aerobos it's a, a snake biting its own tail it's a cycle forever and you see that and that's the biggest fear of civilization right civilization is the the male imperative of trying to build something forever something that can last and doesn't die it's something that's supposed to stand the test of time. And that's obviously the greatest pursuit in heaven, right? Uh, heaven is something that's eternal and doesn't, it will never succumb to, to, to nature. It's something supernatural. Yeah. Um, and, and we see that in, in the suburbia in suburbia, right? It's something that's supposed to built to last for a long time. And the dynamic with, with these kids in that movie 
and especially specifically the parents in that movie yeah they're the unsuspecting ones the kids are in the know the kids are in the know there it's a, it's a dynamic shift but the parents thinking that oh yeah i'm gonna move to this these safe suburbs my kids are gonna be fine etc etc um even so much in denial that they had a predator they killed the predator you know freddie was there originally alive and the parents you know mob killed him somewhere and they just pretended it didn't happen like oh yeah no this is still safe yeah, and they uh, fucking safe, kept his uh, glove society for my kids to live in and stuff and they kept yeah. his glove which was crazy yeah it's insane and and you see the chthonic forces literally swallow the Johnny Depp character from his bed. Right. Or right. when she's submerged in, 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 the, in, in the bathtub. Right. It's literally consumption you're seeing. It's the mother trying. It's, it's, it's the hollow steps of walking up to, to heaven. You see, like, the steps fall. The bridge collapse from under you. The, 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 the meager architecture of man collapsing to nature and the unconscious every day no matter what we are not strong enough to never go back to sleep like no matter what our consciousness is still too weak to where it could go forever we always need to, to to fall back to sleep and fall back into the unconscious yeah and exactly some could say we even even mortality right our mortality shows that we're still too weak to last forever and we still always have to die and, and we could fight against the against the dying light and try to keep it. But in the end, it's it still collapses. Our greatest civilizations from Egypt to Rome, they still collapse. And America may collapse too. Our See, well, idyllic paradisal world may collapse. This is honestly what, what Freddie shows so well. Go ahead. You, yeah, well, I was just saying that's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's the, the theme of that. No, it's perfect. And I wanted to say, like, um, the, the, the anxiety of the stalking beast, right, and the, and the imminent, like, potential collapse, uh, the, the erasure of your consciousness or the destruction of your civilization is, is, a, is a Christian myth that, well, I guess it's better to say it's like an Abrahamic myth that uh, we have not been able to get out from under. And it is manifesting itself over and over and over again. And I think... It's exactly what the global warming uh, uh, anxiety is that this this mythology that like as we're like like ignorantly or stupidly or blindly living our our lives out, there's this looming beast that's going to come and subsume us. And of course, it's Mother Earth that's going to kill us in the in the in the global warming uh, narrative that uh, it's going to be the end of civilization. Think of the flood itself, right? as as uh, what it means in christian in christianity right it's it's nature swallowing all but i think the dynamic there is like god is it depends how, how esoteric you want to get but the christian the the traditional christian interpretation is that god allowed the floodgates to open so like so he's still in control and he just allowed the floods for nature to come in to his perfect kingdom on earth and uh, swallow all and to cleanse the world um, instead of nature doing it itself. My esoteric belief is that God wasn't strong enough and he wasn't all powerful. And these things happened because he wasn't strong enough and nature still poked in. 
just like it does yeah. in 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 Freddy, right? You still have the darkness creep into the the, the paradise of society of suburbia. Yeah, and we I think to... that's the biggest nightmare to a Christian is that fact that God might not be all powerful. It might not be okay, and that we might it might still all collapse. Yeah, for sure. Or or the 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 other way they take it is that we're being punished, right? Like the whole myth of global warming and the destruction of global warming is that we're being punished for our excesses. We're being yeah. punished for like living outside of like the ordained, you know, lifestyle. It's just like this this is totally this um mm -hmm. uh, uh materialist or atheist eschatology. But I wanted to bring something up too that uh, I'd like you to comment on um th this talk about the we're talking about the great mother, but then we're also talking about Freddie, who's who's a, a male figure. So we have to understand yeah. that there's like a, the patriarch and the great mother, and they are in tandem, right? Mm -hmm. The patriarch is the one that you sacrifice to, and he's the one who allows you to to continue to live. And if he becomes tyrannical or if he becomes uh, too hungry uh, for power, he begins to cannibalize his people and he he demands uh, more sacrifices than you're willing or able to give. I mean, think about the, the Cain and Abel myth right there. Um, whereas the great mother is the one that you return to or well, she's the one that you return to. But one of the ways in which you can return to the great mother is exactly what you said about the, the flood, which is that the patriarch holds the great mother back. The patriarch is keeping is a barrier between you and the great mother. And if the patriarch fucks up or if the patriarch decides that uh, you're not worthy anymore, he steps up, steps back. Or in fact, he even purposely uh, invokes the power of nature and brings it upon you and you are subsumed. Um, so, you know, th they're saying like the patriarch now like would be science. So they're saying that like uh, our scientific discoveries are what, are, are causing global warming right but it's also like now science has gotten like too powerful and too hungry and it's like consuming the world and we want that patriarch to like continue to protect us so like we have all these technological solutions we need to like build more science to continue to protect us from mother nature who wants to take us back to her breast and um the Ouroboros that you were well did you want to jump in before i uh go ahead yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna, that's a great point. And I think it underlies something. I always try to make a really strong distinction, just as you did between the patriarch, the enemy patriarch, the tyrannical patriarch, and the great mother. Because once again, this is a very Christian problem. They conflate the two. They consider, for example, sin in, in, in to many Christians is the seven deadly sins, and they're all desires. They're all the feminine uh, arising out of you that are the passions. Um, and you're pretty much demonizing your basic urges, right? And this is the typical Satanist attack. Like, oh, yeah, well, like, what do you mean you're supposed to uh, hold, like, you, you're supposed to see this as evil? And they have somewhat of a point. Um, and I think the Gnostic uh, tradition was that no? We need to learn how to incorporate these drives and, and and almost jump into the evil in order to and to incorporate it and to transcend. And I think that's closer to the truth. I know Bath Bronze Age pervert had a certain fascination with Gnosticism because of that. 
he doesn't like it though because they still try to cope in the end and still try to stick to like this moralistic uh uh cope where they say no god the creator of this world is still all good and he and the evil in this world is just manifested into this the fake well can version i j- of it. jump in real quick version is still real but, let me uh tie that to the films uh, though because yeah, that moralistic that moralistic scolding that he's you're Bap is pushing back against is like the theme of these movies, like the kids who have sex. It's yes. like a well-known trope. The kids who have sex and mm-hmm. transgress mm-hmm. the rules or the parameters are the ones who are punished. Yes. So, so it's totally this is, this in, in is, line. This is why it's Christian. And this is my interpretation of Christianity is Christ is Christ comes down. The fact that he became a carnal manifestation, like he, he became material. God yeah, he incarnated down and, 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 and become embodied and incarnate himself is that it's, it's, it's saying that no, the union between the, the, the carnal and the chthonic and the material world mixed with the light of, of heaven, that is the solution. And I, I say this is kind of what Dionys- Dionysus is all about the fact that he's a man leading the feminine, the, leading the passions. Jesus is like that character, and and this and this is what I was going to say is that the way this ties back to the movies is Christ is someone who leans into the passions, isn't scared about it, and takes it to higher places, and and is willing to accept the consequences of that. And I think you know Jesus himself broke the laws of Roman rule and Jewish rule before him, right? He was a revolutionary character who kind of eroded their laws and was willing to die for it. And which well, he broke he broke Jewish law is, and and they they yeah they uh entreated the Romans to punish him for it. And that's the whole thing about Pontius Pilate yes. saying he didn't do anything wrong, but I'll kill him mm-hmm. to keep relationship with, with you guys, with the Pharisees. Good. But hold on a second yeah. though, because because and, we gotta clarify and, and, something though. Yeah, well, I was gonna let me just talk okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to touch on how and 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 Jason and Freddie is is it's very much well especially in Jason it's this vengeful kind of like because he's taking well I, I know in the first movie but in later films he just attacks anybody who kind of leans into into these passions naively and it's almost like this corrective thing from nature. Some could even say that just. Uh, hedonistic crazy amounts of sex itself has this regulating factor itself by nature where you you know you have diseases sexually transmitted diseases and uh that could you know kill you from having too much sex and stuff like that and also uh the fact that you know i would say there's a psychological damage that comes from that as well specifically with with females uh, who have too much sex with many many different partners there's a psychological toll that kind of almost acts as its own justice. And I think that that is the story of Jason. But with, with Freddie, you see this, you see the patriarchal satanic figure mixed with the chthonic demonic figure. And that's, that's what I tried to say with my interpretation of Christianity is that the satanic element almost completely it has a perverted 
tie to his urges. It's like somebody who one at one tries to rationalize his own impulses, tries to make it seem like he's he's in the right or he has some sick, twisted rationality as to why he's doing his thing. I think that ties back to the serial killer uh, fascination with so many Americans is that there's everyday violence all the time in America. Blind violence, stupid violence, like no, no thought to it. But we still only romanticize and consider the, the mass shooter who has a vendetta, the guy who has a manifesto, who has, a, has reason to his violence and justifies himself. And I think you see that with Freddy. Absolutely. Freddy is somebody. Freddy is then that's the satanic character. The chthonic violence is blind. The satanic violence and, and the rationalization of his own desires is 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 very much seen in Freddy and and, and Satan. And and he almost even his his back and forth of the characters, right? Uh he's always trying to trick them, but he's having fun with it. He's, he, he takes up the satanic role perfectly. That's fucking awesome, man. I totally agree. And it's just so fucked up because Freddie is taking revenge. Like, like Jason's mother's taking revenge because these mm-hmm. kids were like fucking when they were supposed to be watching her son. Mm-hmm. So she's like justified, but Freddie's taking revenge because his victims like killed him for 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 his crimes uh mm-hmm. so it's like it's just like the purest possible evil but the interesting thing is and this and when i jumped in there i, I didn't mean to interrupt you um i had a i don't know if it's a misgiving or a disagreement with you about what you were saying so maybe you can clarify for us so you were talking about about freddie and you're absolutely right i totally agree with all that but the stuff you're saying about like moralism and everything is like, do you disagree with me that the moral of these stories, like the moral underpinning of these stories is absolutely like a fundamentally Christian, even a Protestant message with the way the the survivor and the one who outsmarts and uh, beats the monster is the virgin, is the one who does not indulge her passions. And really interesting, in this case, like Freddie is the male who embodies the Dionysian while the main character, I forgot her name now, uh, Katie or whatever her name was. Fuck. I can't believe I forgot her name. She's the female, but she embodies the Apollonian. She embodies the, the, the keeping, uh, getting a handle on your passions and getting control over your passions. And that's why she's able to, to beat Freddie. So I will, does that contradict you at all? So I think a lot of these films almost get it right without intending to. So I know the typical trope is is making uh, Di- uh, Satan the Dionysia character, even though I like to argue that Christ is more of the Dionysia character and Satan being the false light and having such alienation with the feminine to, to where it's perverted and it's very, uh, I don't know, it's almost a dynamic be- between like a pimp and and... and and uh, desire and the feminine and stuff like that. He wags desires in front of you to meet your doom. Like he try to he tries to convince you, like, oh yeah, drinking is a good thing, or delving into your passions is a good thing. But in this in this way where it's like forced, it's like it's unnatural. Um, that's what characterizes Satan. Jesus kind of comes down and kind of 
it's just a no brainer. It just makes sense why he's, he's the son of God. And it's like the supernatural uh, inclination towards him, but, and he has a charm to him. A charm to me is like the biggest Dionysic thing. And Freddie um, has that in a weird Freddie way. has that in that film. He has a certain charm to him, but it's still perverted in a way where it gives you the creeps. Anytime you have the creeps, that is a sign of Satan. I feel like anytime you feel like, uh, like, like it's kind of like, I don't know, pervy or whatever, or you feel, or women feel this very strongly is that when they feel like they're being watched by a, a character, they don't want to see like looking at them. It's not Jigachai looking at them. It's like this creepy looking yeah. character. Yeah, totally. Yeah. His eyesight is it, his view of them is like the worst thing in the world. Feminists have made an entire thing of the male gaze, pretty much right. rationalizing uh, a creep looking at them. But that, I mean, uh, dude, that is the textbook feminist interpretation of yes. this movie right there. Yes, exactly. Um, but I will say to get back to what you're saying is that I, I wanted to get this sat- satanic thing, right? I think he, he's, he's creepy and he's forceful and, my biggest interpretation of split Satan from Christ is that Christ accepted his punishment. Freddie and Satan That's don't do that. Perfect, dude. He never accepted That's... that he's a bad, he's the bad guy, right? He's like, no, like I'm having revenge for you committing uh, vengeance against me and you punishing me. It's, it's the undying, uh, he's the guy who can't be punished and refuses to be. He will never take consequences for his actions. And that's why they get it without getting it. But to touch on the, on the girl at the end, I'd say it's not Apollonian because Apollonian still is sublimated from venturing into that unknown. It's just staying in the known world and building upon that civilization. It's almost never leaving uh, the confines of your civil civilization because you never need to. Uh, you never have to be irrational. You always have to be rational and stick to law and code and stuff like that. She doesn't do that. She disobeys her parents in a way, right? She goes when they're not looking. Uh, she she and her boyfriend sneak out and and uh, you know even the beginning of the film, right? She's she's uh, with her friend. They have a sleepover with boys, and that's like you know taboo at the time, and it almost led to its own punishment. Right. But even in the end, she ventures into the unknown, into the unconscious head first. And I think that's the American tradition. Right. Embodied in her. She goes into the into the unconscious and tries to uh, face her fears head on. That to me is 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 even just looking at death in its face and, and having the courage to be like, no, I, I'm, I'm going to survive this. I'm going to come back out. I'm going to bring the demons here and, and, and to kill it here. And it's our plane. Uh, I'm going to jump into the unknown, just like a hero, the hero's journey. She, she embodied that in the end. And I know in the horror in the end, you know, it didn't work out and well, they, she loses, but that's not the point. It's that she had the willingness to do that. Just yeah. like the explorers in America did and heroes in, in, in Western myth always did. Yeah, they fuck up the ending in both of those movies. Both of those movies should have the false ending should have been the real ending for both of those movies. But yeah. um, th- that's great, man. This is I swear to God, this is the best interpretation of these films you're ever going to get. I've never seen anything like this with these movies. Um, the 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 
simple Freudian approach is the farthest I've ever seen uh, people go with these films. But I want to take it uh, further. I want to take the Jungian thing further. I want to say real quickly, I don't want to get hung up on this because I want to finish the discussion on Newman uh, because you introduced that book to me. So I want to give you I want to lay out explicitly what I referred to earlier, which is what that book made me understand about these movies in a new light. And then get your feedback because you're the guy who got me into that book. But I just want to mm-hmm. throw out this disagreement real quick. And it's probably not fair of me to do this. I'm not going to let you <laughs> fight back. But <laughs> I don't I don't exactly agree with that characterization of the main female lead in um, Freddie, because if you think about you brought up Taxi Driver, uh, Travis Bickle, right, goes out and he seeks out these demons and he goes and massacres these pedophiles. Uh, but he goes out of his way. He goes into the underworld. Uh, he descends into the underworld uh, in his fucking suit, his paladin suit, which is all his guns and shit that there's this whole like this is whole motif. OK, uh, through all the through through all this American fiction where the guy who's going to go into the darkness, right, that you're talking about, the Gnostic darkness and do battle with evil or do battle with the Catholic forces he suits himself up or she suits herself up and you see these uh, you see these sequences of them getting themselves ready. Uh, and if this is all through Freddie, because if you think about Captain Ahab and Moby Dick, right, uh, he leaves the peaceful tranquility of land where civilization exists to go out into nature to get his revenge on the whale who took his leg that he was trying to kill. The whale is the white knight who was protecting his people from Ahab, who was butchering them. And we know uh, and and Melville knew that we were hunting the whales to extinction. So uh, so Ahab goes out into the darkness and he anoints his harpoon with Satan. Uh, He uses Satan when he he invokes the name of Satan to anoint his harpoon that he's going to go kill the whale with. Right. And he's taking revenge. It's the same fucking thing they did it on purpose. And Freddie, I, I know they did in the very beginning, you see him forging the glove in the fires of hell. It's exa- to take his revenge on the fucking children who killed him for, for, for raping them. This is exactly the same thing. And Travis Bickle does the same thing too, except for Travis Bickle is the actual white knight where you see the sequence of him, uh, uh, building these little contraptions so he can like deploy the gun out of his sleeve and 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 suiting himself up and posing in front of the mirror. It's him uh, suiting up to go into the darkness to do battle with the dark forces. And the female lead in Freddy does the same thing where she does this home alone bullshit where she sets up these uh, stupid traps, <laughs> which are, in my opinion, are really corny. But you go through the same sequence of her setting up her 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 armor and her weapons to do battle with the dark forces. But the difference in the disagreement I have with you is that Travis Bickle and Ahab go out to do it. The the frontiersmen travel and journey into the darkness to do battle with these forces. Whereas this woman is subjected to it. She has no choice. She does not go out of her way because, because it looks like it, it looks like she does because like you said, she goes to her friend's house to help protect her. But it ends up that Freddie is only going after her friend to get to her the whole time because the glove is buried in the furnace in her own basement. Her mom is the one who killed Freddie. So Freddie has the vendetta against her specifically. So she's being attacked. Now, 
here, but I need, we need to skip to, to Newman now because it's very relevant to, to, let me just add one thing though. Okay, go ahead. Uh, you're, you're correct. Uh, I, I, I just, I want to add though, that the naivete of, of the girl, right. Where she had the, the home alone shit and you know, it's cute. Okay. Yeah. She's going to win the day. Um, I think there is something naive, you know, naive about many Americans and almost ne- uh, necessitates any jumping into the unknown. Cause if you had listened to what, if you had listened to like the warnings of people uh, telling you, Oh no, it's dangerous out there. You never do anything. Right. It takes some irrational or even naive jumping into it uh, for anything to happen to succeed in that world. And I will just add the entire, and especially in film, the noir uh, trope. Usually it's a detective jumping into the underworld, but usually the, the, the detective is very naive at the start. Um, he doesn't, he expects their, you know, justice to be served and it's going to be this cut, uh, you know, open and shut case and it should be fine, but it becomes really fucking intertwined and it's corrupt and and sick in all these different ways at the end of it where you have a nihilism where you're just like oh yeah no there is no right and wrong and that's i again think is a gnostic thing where you jump in and you kind of almost uh the the line between good and evil becomes so twisted and i think yeah uh the horror and the end of freddy um, I think you kind of feel that, right? Where you're just like, oh, wait, what the fuck? The bad guy won. Like, what the fuck? Like, it, it looks like you're back to paradise. Everything's hunky-dory. The the mom's coming back outside. She's waving the kids yeah. goodbye. They're rolling off into the, you know, into the Freddy into sunlight. <laughs> yeah. And, and blasting <laughs> happy music and shit like that. But no, Freddy's still there. And he wins in the end. This The same trope. Whether you realize it or not, it's always the same end. And um, I'm just saying that that's the arc in America is that not necessarily that naivety gets punished, but that it necessitates the story itself. It's oh, I mean, so many films is in America is like a, a kid moves to a new town or it's just fish out of water, you know? Um, and they're usually way dumber in the beginning. Yeah. than where they are at the end but usually the lesson they learned is that wow like the complexity of it is is beyond comprehension and i'm still dumb like it's like i'm still the dumb one in the end yeah and i, I don't know that's the definitely the psychological thing going on here but yeah you can no no right all, all of that is all that is true all that is true um the reason i had to make the distinction though is, is because of my interpretation that i want to lay out it, which is that which is that um the the i guess call i'll call it a, a motif but it turns out it turns into a theme in mythology um that runs through tribal societies and joseph campbell talks about this a lot a lot um is that you have these rituals where you have the group of people together who go through the same ritual so they have this shared experience and that shared experience and that ritual is like the threshold that they're crossing uh as they mature into adulthood that they're going through these rituals together as a community and they're all like 
um, continuing through the psychological processes of maturation, which is, of course, uh, individuation. And Campbell talks about how we don't have ritual in our, our, our culture anymore. And, and if you read Freud and Campbell, you can and uh, even to a lesser degree, the Golden Bough. But uh, certainly Freud is building on the Golden Bough. They talk about the process of ritual being negated from society over time. Uh, this is what this is what the whole revolt against the modern world book is about. It's about the progression of uh, the sacred being uh, sort of bled out of our society over the millennia. And we no longer have these rituals. And Joseph Campbell says we need these rituals. We have to like reinstate these rituals in order for us to like be all on the same track psychologically. Now, the process of indi individuation, as it's laid out in Newman, is the 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 trans. Uh, uh, excuse me, the uh, the ascent through uh, different psychological uh, bodily functions um, through different stages of your life. So there's this archetypical bodily function that represents a certain stage of your life. So the stomach uh, relates and the heart relate to being an infant because all you're doing is eating and shitting and you're totally dependent on the mother. And uh, you have to have this like, uh, emotional bond with her uh, as she takes care of you through that stage where you can't you're totally helpless to get to the next stage and eventually and this is the important part eventually you get to the the genital stage the sexual stage of puberty where you're starting to become aware of yourself as a sexual being and you're starting to become aware of the people around you as a sexual being and if of course if someone is is preyed upon by a a, a pedophile it fucks with the stages because you have to go through the stages uh, sequentially or or you're going to uh, become neurotic and it's going to fuck you up and you have to do extra psychological work to get past that stage to the next stage right uh so the genital stage coincides with um puberty now newman goes on and explains all of this but this is all the aroboros thing because you start out with the mother with the with the with the with the uh the gut uh and then you individuate until you finally get to consciousness and you become a conscious individuated whole human being. And then the next stage you have to cope with is your own death. And then after you die, you go back to the mother, right? Mm -hmm. So the shared uh, ritualistic experience of tribal people is often involves a trauma um, circumcision in certain tribes is it doesn't happen until you're like 13 and all the boys are circumcised at the same time in front of each other. Uh, some of the other things that happen is you get cut. They'll, they'll ritually, ritualistically scar you all at the same time. They'll ritualistically knock a tooth out uh, of every boy in line. And, and then you move on to the next thing and you're a man and you copulate and you have children and you move on. Right. In this, in these movies, right. The, 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 the characters are in the genital stage where they're all becoming aware of themselves as sexual beings. And that is when the patriarch or the great mother comes in and ends their life and they're stopped. The, their development is arrested at that stage and they're not able to individuate and mature into like a full individual uh, psyche and, and a human being. And I think in, in the second Jason, the second Jason is super, it's a, shitty movie but it's like so thick with symbolic and archetypical significance because a it has jason as this beast in the wilderness with the with the shrine to the great mother and her, his mother's head but there's another scene because the the whole motif of like the um sex and violence right 
Camille Paglia, who we both read, says that uh, sex is never insignificant. It's always like extremely significant because sex and death are the only two times where the chthonic realm inevitably pierces up into uh, the conscious life. Like it's like it's like a portal and you have to relegate these portals in such a way. And if you don't, it's going to to grip your society or your own individual psyche with neuroses. So uh, the pandemic is a good example of us like not accepting our own fate. And we're like sacrificing the youth by shutting down schools and masking our children and shutting down, you know, extracurricular activities and putting everything online in the interest of saving uh, the patriarchy and the matriarchy, the old gerontocracy where we're, we're literally vampirizing the youth for the, the, the adult in that. And then, we also have a very uh, a sexually uh, libidinous society right now. And the way I see it is like we're stuck. We're in like this neuroses of like that stage um, and that like that is becoming like the most important thing in the world, like to everyone, like the ability of uh, women to go out. And, and, and you know, you, you mentioned um, having lots of sexual partners being like psychologically like fucking a woman up. But I think what fucks people up more. And I don't think anybody disagrees with me. And I can't believe that this is a conservative talking point is, is being molested and, and having uh, uh, sexual violence uh, perpetrated on you at a young age, which is what, uh, you know, sex with a minor is it's sexual violence. These films like the sexual violence is like the overarching theme here. And the last thought is from the second movie, they make this explicit where there's two people having sex and Jason comes in with a, a, a razor sharp arrow from a bow and arrow and stabs it through both of them and kills both of them. And that scene to me is like one of the most important scenes in all of horror ever. In, I think it's probably next to the dinner table scene in the Chainsaw Massacre that we talked about. Almost the entire episode was about the dinner table scene because both of those scenes evoke like all the signif symbolic significance that we're talking about. Um, and yeah, so that's that's my like read in a nutshell on the psychological stages yeah, that's perfect that's perfect being stuck is is a very important thing um because one you could just blindly mature like you could go through the natural processes um but but when you do this blindly you get you be, you're still just a grown infant you know you could still you're still if the imperative of the patriarch is is to civilize you. It's to make you something more than just uh, you know eat shit sleep. You know to to take you to higher tasks. But the fundamental what splits the mate uh, the patriarch from the matriarch is 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 this a certain metaphysical dynamic, which is the matriarch is cyclical. And the way you're able to build civilization, which is the goal of, 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 of the patriarch on a grand scale, because individuation is, is how you do it on a, on a singular scale. But civilization is how a people individuate. Um, you have to do it through repetition and ritual. It's instead of a cycle where you go through a high and low forever, you do something repetitive forever and 
and you have to do over and over again. It's unnatural. Ritual is unnatural. And this is something Evola gets wrong to me because he still thinks, he thinks it's returning to nature to return to ritual. I think it's wrong. I think ritual dies because people forget that, no, you have to do this all the time or it dies. You are fighting against nature itself when you perform ritual, when you perform, whether it's secret societies or, or religion or stuff like that. If you get rid of your rights, it will not do it naturally. It's not naturally recurring. You have to keep doing it. And the way you do this is through, and this, this goes into, I guess, Freudian psychodynamics, right? But Freudian looks at this in like a very negative way, but you have to necessitate trauma. But like he's, he sees it as a very negative way where like disfigures you and your whole life is meant to make up for how you've been disfigured by the hands of either society or anything piercing and piercing you. But the whole goal of, 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 of culture is to cultivate you, right? It's taking raw material and sculpting it, which by necessity marks you like to make, to make a sculpture out of, out of marble, you need to almost disfigure it in a way if you want to look at it negatively, but you're also cultivating it. This is what, this is the pain behind bodybuilding, right? You're taking great sacrifice and effort and pain into sculpting something greater than yourself. And we have a very perverted way. I mean, it can go a perverted way and it can disfigure you. I would say rape uh, is, is very much that. But if you really want to be really blunt about it, the act isn't it. The act of, of piercing and, and marking somebody isn't the bad thing. It's about who's doing it and why. And Satan is, because for, for example, with, with, with sex, right? There's no difference in the act of, of rape and, and consensual sex. It's the same act. And it's the same thing of man piercing you you can take it phallic right it's it's sexual intercourse itself is is man taking himself and inserting himself with force the act that's that's not evil in itself it's blind but the who is doing it and why and 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 the sick perverted rationality behind it is what separates the hand of god and the hand of satan right and you have obviously with freddy krueger you have somebody who's doing it for very perverted reasons, and that's why he himself would be considered evil, right? He is, he is someone intruding and applying his own force in, an, in, a, in, a, in a non-consensual way. No one wants this creepy guy with burn marks on his face uh, doing it on kids who are unsuspecting, right? Um, but in, in the paranoia of that, in, in paranoia of, oh, oh my God, like, the patriarch inserting himself on people, how oppressive and stuff like that. You turn yourself away from God as well. And you turn yourself away as a society from individuating. You get rid of, of, of applying by force ritual and tradition and, and cultivating uh, a strong society going forward. And you lose, you, you automatically become in decline. And I think that is my critique on Evola, but also with these films is that the horror of of i guess the rape of these characters right whether it's jason stabbing you right he uses a knife he's literally insert he's inserting himself into into people when they don't want to be right 
and Freddie obviously does it. Even his 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 uh, his claws, his metal claws, just add to this this character where he's piercing you when you don't want to be. Um, you can't let that psych yourself out and to realize like no, like you, the hand, the applied force of of the patriarch is also your salvation and concern you can break you out of your stasis. It could take you out of the stasis of, of cyclical stagnation and take you to higher places. And the godlessness of America now, I think, you know, it's people turning away from the religion and stuff like that. People is because people have lost either belief in the cultivating hand of, of the patriarch or God himself. And, and they've been so psyched out and maybe they have good reason, right? because of, of, of how, how weak it's been, how the 50s collapsed, the 20s gave in, the high time of the 20s and the paradise of the 20s gave in to the Great Depression right after. Even, you know, the 80s was short-lived and fell in the 90s. This is just American history. And every single time we've had a high time led by a strong patriarch, it's, it's collapsed. So maybe there's reason for a nihilism and disbelief, but you're not going to be able to get to a high time again unless you kind of just allow some i don't know a strong leader or tradition or to carry you back into it that's excellent that's that's awesome I totally agreed um this this patriarch here i like to call him like the metastasized patriarch he's uh, he's he's vampirizing the youth and yes. he is cyclical he doesn't want anyone to progress beyond the stage that i was talking about and she has to overcome that in a certain way mm-hmm. um but I wanted to uh, clarify something as well, though, because uh, my whole spiel that I just gave was uh, in response to what you were saying about, um, oh, by the way, and her name was Nancy. I I can't believe I had that brain fart. But Nancy, how she was being subjected to this dark force, whereas the other characters like sought it out. Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm saying that, though, is because the dark anxiety force looming above her, this patriarch, uh, is adulthood. It is maturation. So it is her going through puberty and to becoming a woman. Like that's why she can't get away from it. That's why it's, she's being subjected to it and it's inevitable and it's inevitable for all of us, of course. Right. And it causes all sorts of anxiety and those rituals I was talking about before, like they always, you, you kept saying about like, you're getting scarred or you're getting pierced. Like these rituals leave a scar. So everybody who, ha- who goes through the ritual can like, look to the scar that is the shared experience that they had together that they went through this process and um i think these 80s movies are 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 playing this out they're playing out this shared uh an- anxious or horrific experience of 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 a culture of a country maturing and growing into adulthood or at least or at least a generation right growing up because you have all these movies like uh stand by me uh the goonies uh, Lost Boys, all these '80s movies, and then, uh, then of course, the Freddy and the Jason movies, and there's there's others as well, where it's like this group of friends who are not really old enough to be away from their parents too much, uh, or without having some sort of supervision, but they're old enough to be on their own to an extent. And you see that, like, they go to the camp, but there's the older guy who's sort of like the father figure at at the camp. Um, the parents are overt in Freddy, but they're kind of like. You already covered that. Um, they're not ideal. Um, they all go through this experience together, right? Where they're exposed to the cathonic. 
and uh, they overcome it. So stand by me is they go and they have the uh, they, they see the dead body. And that's death. Like I said, with Palia, like that's death penetrating through mm-hmm. uh, their little cocoon or into their cocoon and making them aware of their own mortality. Um, uh, and, and, and sex is the same thing. And I wanted to it's 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 all this stuff is like yeah. totally explicit. I wanted to point out another movie like this, right, is sand is the sandlot. Uh, this is all about like a group of friends going out on their own, being terrorized by the neighbor and the dog or whatever. And they go through this shared experience. And um, this is the culture going through the shared experience to go into maturity. Mm-hmm. And that movie, The Sandlot, has the thing at the end where like these kids are just becoming sexually aware, but not quite yet. And the one friend, uh, the, the climax of the movie is the one friend uh, pretending he's drowning so the lifeguard can give him mouth to mouth and he like makes out with her and they're all like high five at him at the end. It's hilarious. Exactly that happens in Friday the 13th. One of the characters pretends he's drowning to make, remember that scene? He, to make yeah. the woman give him mouth to mouth and uh, it's just this big prank. And this yeah. is like the shared experience, but but in the, in the more, um, another good example movie like this is Moonrise Kingdom. Highly recommend that movie. In the more uh, optimistic version, the kids go through the experience together. The Goonies, they survive it. They have this trauma. Uh, they and especially in uh, I meant to say Stand By Me, like they're all working out their psychological baggage in that movie. All of them has a breakdown scene uh, for one reason or another. They have to overcome the demons within themselves. And then at the end uh, the maturation process happens, whereas the, ne- the pessimistic negative side of it, the neurotic side of it is these movies where the kids don't make it out. Uh, there's always the famous last girl. So, She's the only yeah, one. Man. That's why it was so important. What I was trying to get at is that I think even just there's such a pessimism in a lot of American films. And maybe I'll just watch too many 90s films because that's what colors a lot of them. It's pessimism. Maybe I should watch more 80s films where we're where, where more optimistic or something like that. But even, even when it's done right, and I'm going to take a sexual again. Even when sex is done right with a consensual partner, the virgin still bleeds. Yes, exactly. You can't avoid the wound. The inherent violence in the act. The inherent violence of it. And, and the applied force isn't, isn't the issue here, right? But I guess it's probably Freudian. I think it's the, 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 the push of Freud and... And maybe just the pessimism of a lot of certain types of, of directors, you know, uh, they have this very neurotic look at, at sex and and the hands uh, of, of the applied force of man to where the maturation process always becomes fucked up. Like it's always seen in that way. It's always seen that. uh I don't know, just just the, the, the right of sex maturing you and becoming your coming of age, which is, you know, it's, it's not something to hide from. It's not even seen as something bad. You know, you see even with conservatives nowadays, oh, yeah, sexual, sexualization, right? They're using leftist terminology to describe, like, uh, to describe sex in a very neurotic way. But no, no, like you could have films that 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 view this in a less less neurotic way and see that no, no, there is a very neurotic satanic way that this can go where it's very perverted and 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 
uh, rapey, I guess, with, with Freddie and all that. Yeah, it's, it's also so. your salvation. It's also your salvation in a way. And it's almost sinister and, and pessimistic that I feel like you only get, you only get the, uh, the bad of it, the neurotic end of it. Well, that's why I was saying there's like uh, Christian themes here. And it's like, uh, it's ultimately these are especially Freddy, but, but definitely still uh, Friday 13th as well. The Christian themes. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the great mother doesn't want you, the the neurotic great mother, the metastasized Mm -hmm. great mother doesn't want you to individuate. She doesn't want her child to separate from her. Uh, So this is her bringing them back to the womb uh mm-hmm. and not allowing them to go through uh, the maturation process um mm-hmm. so we're pretty much out of time i wonder uh if you had any closing thoughts i i think this is the deepest anyone's ever gone on these yeah. movies that, like i i think uh i would just wrap it up like the importance the important theme behind a lot of these movies is that these are unresolved problems. Yes. Right. It's a lingering threat always. And it, whether you're going to make art or whether you're going to live life or, or face these things on politically, it's going to take you venturing and exploring the darkness that, that America segregated itself from whether it's the, through traditional Christians, Protestants, the Puritans, or it's this, this leftist, atheistic, I say satanic way of, of political correctness that we have now. And I don't know, the rationalization away of that, as you brought up with the climate change uh, issue, right? It's almost like we're not talking about nature when we talk about the looming threat of climate change we're talking about the fault of man and and his 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 mistakes in trying to whether it's you know the rape of the third world of natural resources and stuff like that we deforest deforest you know deforesting the third world or nature itself or polluting it with man-made stuff um they're so much more concerned with the oversteps of 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 civilization that they forget that that's what they're so they're so preoccupied that they forget that no the issue lies within the unresolved nature of things it's not it's not civilization that that is marked man as much as no like this is the darkness that we're not looking at it's it's not society in the light that we need to work on policy proposals that are going to save us. No, it's going to be, it's going to take brave men to go out into, in, into the darkness and tame civilization again. And I think the horror and the neurotic elements of these films really uncover, un- uncover our, our greatest weakness and hopefully our greatest weaknesses in America, but also snap us into like, no, that which causes our greatest fear is actually what we should be seeking out. We should be conquering our fears. We should be going into the unknown and incorporating what we find there and, and 
our, our solutions are not in, in law or, 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 you know, polite society. It's where we don't want to look. And that's why I believe is uh, fundamental to American Gnosticism and, and the explorers, the settlers, those who have been so greatly rewarded as, as brave men who are able to go into the darkness and, and conquer what's out there, face their fears. And this ties back to Mythoamerica and a lot of the stuff I talk about in my main account. And this is why, you know, pleasure to talk about this here yeah, on man. these movies. Um, that's, that's the solution. It's where it's in the greatest threat is our greatest uh, story. Right on, man. That's that's an awesome conclusion. America is being uh, stalked by its shadow and we need to overcome it. Um, well, we could probably get another couple hours on these films, but instead we're going to cut it off here. And Zante will be back many times. We have we already have several more episodes planned and more more films we got to talk about. So thank you for joining me, man. And uh, I guess I'll see you on Twitter and uh, Astro Flight Simulation signing off.